This is Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian. Sabrina Winters, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. I appreciate it. I'm glad to have you. I love a badass woman in business and the conversations are always real and robust. That's the truth. That is the truth. (laughs) Because it takes real and robust to be a woman in business, quite frankly. What I'm excited about today in this conversation with you, I'm sure we could go down a whole rabbit hole of the journey of starting your business since you've been doing it for a while, since 2005. You've been around a couple of blocks. But what's really interesting to me is I use this framework for my business called Business is Human, that the business needs and the human needs are very different. The business needs to control, measure, and optimize, but we as humans are personal, emotional, and social. And the best businesses, leaders, companies understand how to meet both of those needs to ultimately be successful. And your business is you're a lawyer. And I giggle a little bit because, you know, we often make little jokes about lawyer, you're going to get charged for every minute that you talk to a lawyer, like the ultimate of control, measure, and optimize. But yet... You took a very different approach when you started your firm to make sure that it was based on relationship, which is the human needs that we have. Tell me what inspired you to take a different approach. You make me laugh when you said you're a lawyer. That's the connotation a lot of people have about who lawyers are and what we do. And my goal has always been to not be the norm to not be what everybody expects us to be. And I have a sign in my office that says, everyone has a story. And estate planning is about writing the end of your story. You have the control to do that. Don't let somebody else write your story. And it really, it comes from a really horrible situation when we first graduated law school. I was fresh out of law school. And I promise you, Every lawyer, soon-to-be lawyer that graduates law school thinks they know everything, right? We took all the classes. We can do anything. We have all the answers. I promise you that is not the case. Well, my uncle was very sick, and it got to the point where he just didn't have the ability to sign his own documents. So when it was the time to do it, he didn't want to. It was something he chose not to do. All of his problems were going to be our problems, and he was comfortable with that. He didn't care. When he was actively dying, which is a really horrible thing to stand by and watch, we weren't able to do anything for him because he didn't have anything in writing. And when you don't have anything in writing, coupled with family not agreeing, the end result is something that you question the rest of your life, whether it was the right thing or not. And it was exactly what my father had to carry with him until he passed away. And we had to watch him be resuscitated several times before he finally passed away because his wife that he had not been divorced from yet was flying in from Italy. And by the time she landed, he had passed away. She was the only one that was able to make that decision for him. And not only the way he was handled by the physicians and the staff, but it was how his family was handled. Nobody really explained anything to us. Nobody held our hand. The compassion to us and helping us through that part was horrible. 
thought, wow, you know, no one should ever have to have this experience that my father had to go through and our family because educating beforehand is so important. But if you don't know, you're not going to do it. But my uncle knew and he chose not to. So your question was, how did I get here? My story is from my uncle's passing. I promised myself that it was such a horrible situation that I was going to do what I could to make certain that other families don't go through what I was going through. And that meant having a very different law firm than what would traditionally be expected of an attorney. I love that you chose that route because my book is called Write Your Own Story, which is exactly illustrating what you've done. But also, in order to meet those human needs that I talked about, personal, emotional, and social, we need to know how our talents, what we do, is relevant and impactful to other humans in order to feel good about our work. Because if we just show up and check the list and go to the meetings and make the money and don't have an intimate understanding of how our work matters to others, that's the path to burnout. And so your bad experience was the catalyst for you to say, no, I'm not going to allow this to happen to other families. And that is a beautiful representation of the way I believe commerce in general, business in general should operate. We're not machines here to produce. We are here to serve one another. And I think a lot of people expect attorneys to just pump out documents and give them the answers because a lot of other areas of law really are transactional. You know, you have a, a speeding ticket. That's one and done. I don't need to know about your whole life story. Just tell me about the recent bad things that have happened to you. Real estate closings, you know, a couple of things may come up on the title, but you are done with that transaction once you have your house and you've closed. But with estate planning, I have to know my clients. They have to be willing to share pretty private emotional things with me because even though the documents are the physical end result of the relationship, everything leading up to that and post that is what allows those documents to do what they are supposed to do when and if that time comes, especially with the healthcare document. Yeah. And what a beautiful gift to leave your family to write your story all the way through to the end. I think that is a beautiful gift. And I too, my family just went through my grandfather's passing and the farm and all of that. And so this is fresh in my mind too, which it's just funny how God's timing works out that we get what we need when we need it. So I think it's a big point to make that you referenced that it's not just about us writing this story in what our desires are, but to really think about the family that's there executing our decisions. Because I know for my family, the way that grandma and pop wanted this to go was not at all the best thing for the family, but it was based on their old school ideas of money and things. And even when our family tried to have a conversation with them at one point to say, this isn't really what we want, they weren't having it. And it made it harder and it made it more painful. How do you facilitate that discussion between the one writing the papers for their wishes and the family? You know, it's a delicate subject. Most people don't find joy in talking about their own death and illness. Like it is across the board, a fairly difficult conversation for most to have. Not for me. 
I've just have always encouraged the open dialogue. Start off by talking about what you would want. When you're trying to get your parents to plan, open it up with, you know, I'm thinking about doing this and this is what I would want. What do you think you would want? Approach it as conversational, not as I want your stuff and I want to end your life as soon as I possibly can. You know, no one's going to be receptive in that fashion, but you're coming at it from a point of view that you love them, that you want to do this for them, and you want to make sure that during a time they have no control over what happens to them, that you're allowing them to have a say in how their story ends and giving them that sense of control, which they really do have oftentimes just leads to open conversation. And it's like ripping a Band-Aid off. At the very beginning, it's uncomfortable. But then that uncomfortableness goes away and you're having open conversations and really being open about what you want, but also what you don't want. That's important as well. I like what you said. So let's play this out. So you want to go have a conversation with your parents about this. So you recommended to go in and say, hey, I've been thinking about this. Mm -hmm. And I wondered how you have been thinking about it. So it's a collective conversation, not like you said, like, I've I've been looking around and I kind of want your stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a post-it note on that picture. I want it because I've had families do that. So, yeah. I love that because then it's a conversation. I mean, I'm not saying it's probably Thanksgiving fodder, but. (laughs) Oh, see, I think. It is. Oh, tell me more. I did a video last year that really was based around Thanksgiving meal. We don't really see family throughout the year as much as we do during a holiday and as many as are together during the holidays. So my video was titled something like, hey, pass the mashed potatoes. How do you want to die? (laughs) Just open it up. Now you've got a whole table full of family and you're having a lightweight, serious conversation all at the same time. And it doesn't feel so like you're on the spot. But yeah, I think it's always a great time at a holiday. You've just changed my perspective about that. Maybe, you know, somebody's had a couple glasses of wine and it's a freer conversation and nobody's hangry. Right. Yeah. Do it during the meal, not before. Do it during. That's the best time. Yeah. I love that. This is really helpful information that I'm sure most of us weren't just going through our day planning for. But now that they've stumbled on the podcast, this is rich with information. What else should we be thinking about? Well, I think that you need to stop thinking that it is such a scary process, that the hardest part is calling me. That's it. Everything else, because of the way we've structured our procedures with estate planning clients, it's painless. And we do the majority of the heavy lifting for them. Making that first phone call, just make it. That's the worst part about the whole thing. And stop feeling that fear of addressing something that you're scared to talk about. I mean, how long have we each planned a vacation? Sometimes it's taken us months Mm -hmm. to plan that vacation. Or we're sending our kids to college and we're spending an entire year, sometimes two, taking them around to see their colleges and planning the right way which is important, but what you're leaving your family when you're gone should be as important and you should put that much effort into it as well. So the other thing I would say is treat it just as important as any other important life event that's going on in your life, because it is just as important. Mm, I love that. So 
anytime we are thinking about a goal we want to set, a conversation we want to have, anything that we want that we've never done before or we've not done much, between where we are and where we want to go is this what I call sea of uncertainty. And so walk us through a little bit of what happens after we call you to say, hey, we want to have this conversation or even more questions to ask at the dinner table over Thanksgiving. But walk us through what to expect, what kind of questions you'd be asking so that we have less uncertainty about picking up the phone and making the call. Yeah, I love that. Once the phone call is made, you're going to get on my calendar. I prefer in-person meetings. I think clients open up more. I think they need to like me too before they retain me. I think that you learn to trust somebody a little bit more. But if they don't want to be in person, we offer video conferences as well. And I tell clients, just don't do anything before you come see me. Don't do anything. Bring your water, bring coffee. I'll make you coffee here. But don't do anything. Because at that meeting, it's more of an exploratory meeting for me. And I do very little talking. We have a conversation like you and I are having right now. I want to know why you came to see me. I want to know what kept you from seeing me. What are your fears, goals? Tell me about the kids. If you don't have kids, tell me about you as well. I want to hear those things because what's nice about working with me, my clients are dictating their legal fee. Because everything they're sharing with me is what I have to create in a plan for them. So they have a lot of say in what ultimately that's going to look like, almost 100%, and also what that fee may look like. And I don't typically call it a fee. It really is an investment in the future of you and your family. And at that meeting, we just decide based on what they're sharing with me, you know, look, I didn't see these three things or these four things that you were worried about. I think that we can do something in this type of planning. Do you agree? Is there anything that you think that I should know that maybe you were a little concerned with in sharing with me? I want a free, open dialogue. And, you know, that's a confidential meeting. So I'm not allowed or ethically permitted to share it with anybody. So be as open as you can, because if you keep things, your plan may not work the way it's supposed to work because you haven't shared that information. So from that meeting on, we're taking them step by step. When we're doing something, it's go to your portal and tell me all about your assets and all about your family. When that's done, my team is going to get you on the meeting with me again so we can design this plan. At that meeting, I'm asking a lot more questions. I now have everybody's names in front of me. I've got the kids' names. I've got your parents' names. I have your assets. Now we're connecting the dots. Now I'm educating them on why I asked so many questions about your assets. Now I'm giving them more reason as to why I've asked so many questions about their family. And now they're saying, oh, I didn't know why you were asking me that when we had our first meeting. That makes sense now. I'm going to pause for just a second. Something you said when you first started talking about this is the meeting is confidential, especially that first meeting. There's nobody else in there. It's you and your client. And you can't share that information even after they're gone. That's locked up as you bring in other relationships into this conversation. When do they have the conversations with their family to make sure everybody's synced up? Usually it's after that design meeting. So I'm I'm asking questions like, well, who do you want to make a medical decision and end your life? Who's that going to be? And in my family, of course, I had my parents do their planning and we were all done. And 
I had said, please don't put me first to make a medical decision, pretty much for either one of you, mostly for my father, because I didn't want to be in that situation of, God forbid, my mother wasn't around and now it's on me. No, I'm too emotional. So I'm last on the list. It actually was my sister, my brother, and me all after my mother. But we have such a tight family that it didn't matter the order. It was not a problem. But I'm going to say to my client, you know what? I'm going to work on your documents. But in the meantime, here's your homework assignment. I'd like you to have a conversation with these people that you're naming in all of these different potential roles in your life coming up. Because if they're anything like my family, they're going to be honest. And you may think one of your kids is the best option. But if they say, no, I can't, it's the biggest gift you can get from them. That means that we now have to find somebody else that can make that decision for you. Don't get upset with them. It's not a dig at you or something to be hurt about. It's, mom, I love you so much. I am not pulling that plug. So don't ask me. I won't do what you want me to do, which is just as important as knowing who wants to do it for you and who is capable of doing that. No, I think I've experienced it. And so have you. It's so important because the relationship of the family after you're gone could be changed forever if this isn't handled well. I've seen it happen. I think there's some things happening in some extended family with their stuff right now that's probably going to break up parts of that family. And we talk so much while we're living about leaving a legacy. Well, our legacy isn't about the money or the stuff. We -hmm. want our legacy to be about the relationship and the impact that we've had on our family And if in our final moments, you've unintentionally created a divide for these people that you have loved and nurtured your whole life, well, that would suck. And it has. A lot of what estate planning is, yes, it's for us. And yes, it's for medical decisions. But so much of it is for what your family has to live with when you're gone. And it's not about the money. The money will figure itself out. In the long run, it's just money. Although it's important to have a will or a trust. But with my personal situations and with clients, it's always, you have to have these healthcare documents. That's what's likely going to be needed before you pass away. That's where the beginning of the anxiety and the stress and the struggles and the constant fighting is going to happen, if it will, is at the time that somebody has to make a decision for you that nobody agrees with, you get to still decide, even though you're not physically saying it, because you put it in your documents. But putting it in the documents is not enough. And this is a big part of how our clients go from their initial phone call to their execution of their documents is all of this fluff that comes with it, which isn't fluff. You've got to have a conversation. If you don't want to be kept alive with artificial nutrition and hydration or one or the other, you have to have that conversation with not just the person that's going to ultimately make the decision, but everybody else. With my grandmother, my mom was told she was the one that, that needed to make the decisions. But her brothers, we stood in the hallway while they just argued and were just, are you sure that's what she wants? Because that conversation wasn't had with them. Right. And a lot of it too is having it from the proverbial horse's mouth. Reading it in a document is one thing. But when you've heard your parents say to you, this is what we want, nothing different 
nothing that you want. This is what we want. We're doing it because we know this is best for us and it will be best for you later. And at that point, if not everybody agrees, then honestly, you may have to reconsider how you're talking to your family and maybe putting more language in your documents. But that can only arise from an open dialogue with family. Do the documents, but never, ever just stop there. You got to move forward with that conversation. I'm learning so much because I did see this as documents. Now, even though I've had recent personal experience with my grandfather and was there when grandmother took her last breath and listened to the fighting in the hallways. I've been in the moments, but even thinking ahead, I was like, oh, well, I need a document for that. That's control measure optimized. These are personal, emotional, social conversations that you provide as a service to lead people so that you are preparing them for things that they've never had to experience before and need your guidance. And that's where non-transactional comes in. It's relationship-based. I am not the right fit for everybody. I understand it. I get it. It's fine. I I don't get insulted. But not everybody is for me either. There are some that just want to view it as transactional. I just want simple documents. Well, I I can't help you with that because honestly, there's nothing simple about any document that we create for you. So we're not going to be the right fit because you're going to be just aggravated through the process because you don't clearly see what it's supposed to be like. And that's okay. I want to work with the clients who understand the importance of it, understand why we've got these procedures in place and want me to help them. The more you want me to help you, the more active you'll be in your planning and the better your plan is going to be. And I think everybody should believe that to be true in life and business, right? We're all unique down to our (laughs) fingerprints. I always say that we're puzzles, not marbles. We're supposed to find our fit, not round out our edges to make sure that everybody likes us and thinks we're beautiful. What you are doing by being on this podcast, and I know you do some keynote speaking to go and spread this awareness. I think this is a message that needs more airtime, quite frankly, to educate people on the complexities of these relationships and what happens, because you're right, it has traditionally been a document and we are becoming so much more aware of our feelings and our impact on one another and our relationships. I know when I was growing up, we didn't talk about feelings, you know, get to work. And the world has shifted and will continue to shift in that way, in a beautiful way, which I'm happy about. I want open dialogue with my children and I want them to want to have conversations with me as adults. But this needs to be added to the things I'm thinking about as a parent is what kind of legacy do I want to leave after I'm gone about the way that things are handled so that they don't have to be uncomfortable or in an awkward situation with each other. Right. And it's just a horrible decision that they have to make, right? It's always going to be gut-wrenching and difficult and scary and sad and all those horrible adjectives. But at the end of the day, You will not be carrying guilt in not knowing if you did the right thing. And guilt lasts a lifetime. So does regret. You cannot leave your family with that thing on their plate of feeling regret that they didn't do something they should have done. Why am I questioning what I did? My father questioned it for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. The only thing we knew my uncle wanted was that he wanted to be buried at this particular cemetery 
at the top of the hill because he wanted to watch the people coming and going from the restaurant. But of course, when he passed away, it was a paint shop, but people were still coming and going. We buried him where he wanted to be buried, but everything else, no idea if we did it the right way. And that's the guilt and the questions that my father carried a really long time. And nobody should have to do that. It's horrible. So you have this built-in case study of the relevance and the impact of your work from the experience with your uncle 20 years ago, yep. you now starting this business. Night and day, we are a very close family, very close. There is not a subject at dinner that we haven't talked about. We don't care what it is that we talk about. But having me as their daughter who has been doing this and has wanted to be a lawyer since 16, I've, of course, had their planning done. But we always talked about it in a light manner. I took both of my parents to the funeral home. I have friends that work at funeral homes, shocking as that, <laughs> right? I sat with both of them. I said, okay, we did this, but now we got to do this. Please decide. Well, my mother knew 100% what she wanted, no questions. But my father couldn't bring himself to make a decision and put it in writing. And so I said, okay, dad, you realize that if mommy lives past you, you're getting exactly what she wants. And he said, that's fine. Let your mother do what she wants with me. That's what we did. But he didn't put it in writing. He didn't really say what he wanted other than just do what mommy wants to do. And that was enough. So we weren't questioning it, nothing. Even when we had to make an end of life decision for him. It pulled us apart inside. It broke us and we'll never be the same because we miss the man that we love so much. But he never wanted to live the way he was ultimately going to live. It wasn't a life for him. And it was a decision that had to be made. And we all cried and prayed over it. We're still crying over it. But None of us are carrying the guilt yeah. of not knowing. And that is completely different than what my father had to carry with him. Oh my gosh, 20 years. What a gift. And a testament to the relationship that your parents had, that there was just full trust, whatever mommy wants. And all of you knew what that meant, because I'm sure that was indicative of other parts of their relationship. My mother was the number one on his healthcare documents. So even if the three kids disagreed, legally, she had the right to make her own decision, but she wouldn't make it without all of us being on the same page. So even though she knew what she wanted to do, she was not making that decision unless she spoke to the three of us and we all understood and agreed with her because she didn't want any of us, not that we would, but she didn't want any of us saying anything later, like, well, you just made that decision by yourself. Right. You never asked us. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wish more families could be like that because we got through it together. We never had to decide for him what he wanted. He had already told us. This, again, it's a relationship and it's a conversation. And I'm now having memories still about my grandfather's yeah. situation because he and my grandmother grew up in an age where they had nothing and ultimately got to the place where they had this beautiful little 80-acre farm and a few antiques here and there. Nothing of great wealth by any mm -hmm. means. But the way that they asked for things to be handled was the way that they had seen life, which was it always has to be fair and equal. So <laughs> it was it was sell everything. Yeah. 
divide it by three and give the kids the money. Yeah. Well, you know what? I wanted my grandfather's pocket knife. I didn't want to buy it on an estate sale. In that generation, it was very much about money. And now in this day and age, we're awake now to the relationship aspect of life being so much more important. And so what I love about what you do is you're bringing uncomfortable conversations into rooms where you, not everybody gets the kind of family that you have, right? And so we never talked about anything. So even when it was, hey, mom and dad, I don't, this isn't really what we want. The kids said that. Can we do this differently? Nope. By God, it's already done. Documents are done. Right. I think it's probably what my grandma said. What I said. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> and so it did become this weirdness. And because I do write my own story, I went in and took the shit I wanted without. <laughs> Good for and, you. And then my mom was like, your uncle Mike's going to be mad, which they're probably listening to this later. And he's going to be like, you took what? These things were worth nothing financially. I mean, it was going to bring $3 to the estate sale. Exactly. That little container that Pop always kept his vinegar and oil that was sitting on the kitchen table that's sitting on my kitchen counter now brings me so much joy every single day that I look at it. So that's the story. What you're doing is you're helping facilitate story conversations. And I think the world will be better for story conversations and relationships in every scenario. So thank you for doing what you do. And for courageously knowing that that's the calling that God had on your life. And when probably you didn't even realize how important it was going to no be. No idea. No yeah. idea. That's what we call around here your inner thrive guide. You saw a need. You had this feeling that this is what you should do and you acted on it. And it has served many because you yeah. did. It is. It was definitely a choice and it was definitely a calling. And I love what I do. I love my clients. And I love the conversations we have because I do have a lot of clients that have families like me and they can relate to me because I can relate to them. And even when we don't have things in common, we can still communicate our feelings about it and it helps both of us. So it's great on both sides. I love it. Love that. So we have a lot of business leaders and folks that listen to the show. I'm going to suggest that this could be a great conversation for you as a keynote speaker at an upcoming company conference as an employee benefit to say, hey, we think these conversations are important and we want to help prepare you for your whole life. And you do that. Larger companies bring me in to talk to their HR because they're not having those conversations with their employees about beneficiary designations and what these means. And they're not encouraging them to do their documents. You know, if somebody's out sick, and no one's being able to help them, that hurts the company. So I get called in for HR to large companies. Yep. I also go into large financial institutions like the financial companies that need to educate their advisors in-house and out of the house to understand how to talk about this with their clients. So yeah, it's definitely a subject that needs to be approached more. Gosh, absolutely. Absolutely. I hope many listeners call you and Start that conversation. How do they find you? So your website is? SabrinaWintersLaw.com. It's pretty simple. I am on all the social media. So TikTok and Instagram, it's Estate Lawyer NC for both of them. North Carolina State Planning is my Facebook business page. So everything's on my website if it's easier that way. 
Well, we'll put all of that in the show notes and maybe even just an easy first step for people I'm going to recommend is maybe you're uncomfortable having a conversation. Just share this podcast with some family member Perfect. and see how that starts a conversation. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And then you can go to RebeccaFleetwoodHessian.com and join the Badass Women's Council. And if you really want to take a deeper dive, join the movement of a thousand thriving women. There's amazing Thrive tools there for you today. Love you, mean it. I'm not coming down. Hey, y'all, fun fact. If you like the music for the podcast, that is actually my son, Cameron Hessian. And I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music. My personal favorite is TV Land.